This is Jonathan Gilchrist. I'm just jumping in before the start of our episode to give everybody a little update on what's going on in the Chaos is Everywhere Chaos family. Um, today's episode is going to be a bank episode that we recorded a while back. Myself and DJ Madman. We're watching Spawn from 1997. Uh, if you listen to Chaos Fall Frontier this week, we're having a little bit of a technical issue trying to get us connected while we try to record so, um, I think we've just figured out a way to get around it, but it requires a little bit more work on my end, which is fine for, you know, I, I love doing this stuff, so I will find a way to get this done, but it just meant that it, it was unfeasible to turn around and get a podcast out fresh for you guys. So next week will be, uh, Chaos Final Frontier, uh, Star Trek Voyager, um, oh, I'm sorry, we just struck me. We never got through Deep Space Nine. I already did the research and we never got the episode. So it'll be Deep Space Nine. Episode is called uh, Visionary. It's a really cool episode. I forgot which kind of episode it was until I did the research. So I'm really looking forward to watching with you guys. And then on Wednesday, we're going to just basically move our chaos at ringside that's supposed to be this week to next week because it's been a while since we've done one of those. So one way or the other, you'll get some fresh new chaos uh, next week. But for right now, enjoy this uh, bank show with Spawn. And um, yeah, we'll see you soon. There we go. Hey, how's it going? I, uh, I am super excited for this because it's so bad. It's kind of like a guilty pleasure, but I am I'm very excited. Yeah, no, I'm I found out that this was supposed to be part one of a trilogy, which it, technically uh, I will I will I will preface it with some interesting information as well. Okay, um, well let's do the intro stuff. Hey everybody, welcome to Cast Everywhere. I'm your host Jonathan Gilchrist. That guy over there who. May one day have his own set of, you know, hell armor. That's uh, DJ Madman. I am DJ Madman. And today we're watching uh, from 1997, uh, Spawn. So, yeah, you should have an idea of what that could mean. If you don't, buckle in. It's pretty wild. I was say, get your popcorn ready, but, like, make sure your popcorn is, like, extra spicy and filled with Old Bay sauce. Oh, uh, Martin Sheen really fought to be in this movie. Did you know that? that uh, <clears throat> yeah, I did. Because, well, so that goes back to, like, the cartoon. So, like, my preface for this, for uh-huh. all of our viewers, is I had very high hopes for this because I'm a huge Spawn quiet, but, like, I'm a huge quiet Spawn fan. I love Todd McFarlane. I uh-huh. love the comics. I love the award-winning HBO cartoon series. I Which love premiered Keith David. Exact same time as this movie. I love Keith David, and I had very high hopes for this movie. That <laughs> is all I can say. And all Michael right. Jai White's a really cool dude. I will give yeah. him that. He seemed like he really wanted this to be a success, and was kind of bummed. He to really do. did. But the other cool thing, because they did after interview interviews with him, is like 
he as an actor never really wanted to do superhero bad guy stuff he wanted to be a legit actor and between this and the dark knight and a few other things is really what put him on the map and he was like it kind of disappoints me because he's like i was not like you know a geeky nerd guy so i had no like concept of any of it so it's just kind of funny that he was in this whole world realm of stuff and like people would like would beg or like give an arm for those opportunities and he was kind of like eh whatever it's an acting gig gotcha all right well let's get into the movie and then we can talk some more about it because i definitely have some more facts and um yeah i'm at zero are you ready to go uh so one hour 36 minutes and 16 seconds yep there you go bingo bingo bongo all right and we're gonna hit play in three two one play there's the new line cinema with even without the sound on i hear the noise of the yeah Uh, oh, yep. Yeah, no. I found out pretty much every African American actor you can think of at the time in Hollywood was um, looked at to play Spawn. I did not realize that. Like, oh um, yeah. Also, this ties in. So, like, if people like Ghost Rider, they mention mm-hmm. some names that may be in the Ghost Rider because, like, it's not in the same universe, but like, they mention some people. So there's a background story, you know, Forces yeah. of Hell. They give like a background of how the concept of Spawn and Armageddon, which is a great movie with Bruce Willis, and I cry every time. Right. Melbolgia is another name for basically the devil. Melbolgia actually um, was taken from Dante's Inferno and yes. um, is not actually a person. It's a place in Dante's Inferno. I found that out during my research. Well, here it's a it's a person it's a it's a yeah. It's basically the devil because it's kind of a crucial character, but not like a main character. Yeah. Now in Dante's Inferno, apparently it's a place in hell where people are forced to stand in their heads in the pools of insects. Oh wait, did we so, watch the wrong movie? Is this the intro to Die Hard? Oh, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, this movie does start off and you're like it definitely doesn't seem like the movie you, you plan on watching. That's its point, which also at some point we have to shout out, but like some Arnold movies are better, but don't get the credit. The Eraser is a fantastic movie that doesn't get the credit it deserves. And this little scene reminds me of that movie. That's fair. All right. So you see here, there is a special, you know, military project at the guy operating stuff. It's a secret military base and he's using some really crazy high tech technology it looks like to kill some specific targets and his headset looks like one of my favorite movies short circuit so johnny five's head is on his head yeah so this is obviously a prequel to johnny five um johnny clearly five was the full-on robot version of the equipment he's using right now to build up a plane everyone knows short short circuit johnny five becomes spawn that's that's in the comics it's in it's in the tablets uh-oh crucial character that they don't really introduce yet yeah once we do i have some stuff about him because apparently he's based on a real person yes yes he is which i didn't uh, know before michael like, bay there was this guy well this is well there's a couple of other like superhero movies that had african-american leads but this is the first major comic movie with an African-American lead, it predates played by a year. And it did so well. <laughs> oh, we did. So fun fact, because we looked it up. My friend compared it to The Mummy, and I was like, because the whole my redemption thing is, 
for its time, the special effects, especially like Spawn, his character, his suit, his cape, I believe mm-hmm. are, are the only thing that it did justice correctly. But the budget for it was $40 million. Now, to give you concept, Mummy, The Mummy, which I believe is like the, one of the greatest movies of our childhood, had an $80, $80 million budget. So at least double of what this movie yeah. wanted to do. Double for what this, and plus they actually a lot of the stuff they had to add later, like the scenes in yep. hell originally weren't going to be in the movie, um, and they added them. Yeah, there's later, a lot so, of CGI yeah. that they kind of had to like throw in. I feel like that's part of the what kind of gets them is they were throwing in CGI before CGI was really reliable, and like I read that they had thought about making the devil a puppet, which I think for the time would have been much better than the CGI they went with. Oh come on. So, but I will say, I do miss the 90s, like, uh, you know, uh, early credit kind of breakdown. Like, that just doesn't really exist in movies anymore. Yeah. That, like, like rock, like, techno, like, who's in this? Yeah, no, Sweeney. It feels very 90s from that Like, way. X-Men. Uh... And also, I will say, Todd McFarland was very verbal, and he's usually not about how he felt about how he felt about this movie. Well, apparently, I didn't know this. He sold the rights to this movie to New Line for a dollar, so that he could have um, some serious creative input. Well, yes, because uh, that's all. That's what he does. He doesn't really care about money. He cares about control. Well, he also kept the rights to the merchandising, which if well, the toys knows are Star what make Wars, the money. So, yeah. Anybody that would sell the merchandising rights to something like this um, after Star Wars is pretty crazy to me. Well, and then the other concept, which before is how he got his thing started, one of my favorite Marvel characters is Venom. Venom right. was one of Todd McFarlane's first characters, and basically from, from Venom, in some sense, that's where the birth idea of Spawn. That makes sense. Those two characters kind of... Not, not Guillermo del Toro, but close. And at this point, I do believe that Spawn was an independent um, character. It wasn't owned by Marvel. I think it is now, but it wasn't. No, no, yeah. That was the whole big thing about Todd McFarlane in his comics. His image is its own thing. He was a, you know, uh, um, artist for Marvel, and he didn't like the direction they went because he had a couple ideas, and they said it was too dark. So he said, ah, I'll make my own. And they're like, you'll never succeed. And he has, like... Compared to Hasbro, he has one of like the most successful toy lines ever. Right. Which Hasbro, you know, they they're they're like one of the best. So if you're competing with Hasbro, you're you're doing pretty well. Right. So I know this is just me because I, I didn't realize how much of a spawn head you were, so I'm curious. Um, I've heard that in the comics when Swan first started, he had like a limited amount of times so he could use his powers. Well, yeah, that goes back to the hell spawn and the concept of the hell spawn. But hold on, we got to get background to the really important plot that is the story. Right. So we opened on a military <laughs> mission. Now we see a very important businessman talking to a mysterious character that we know is nefarious, but we don't know w- what this character is about, except for right. it doesn't maybe look very human. Businessman, of course, played by Martin Sheen, who he really wanted to play a comic book movie and knew that, you know, he wouldn't have too many chances. It's not like there'd be a whole cinematic universe. And I will say, for the looks, for the specific comic looks, they did very well. 
for the presentation of most of the characters. Yeah. Like Martin Sheen maybe had a little more like as he grows into it, he gets he gets a lot fatter. But in the beginning, it's more this very clean cut power look. Right. Al Simmons, who's that? I bet you it's Johnny Five. <laughs> Can that be the title of the episode? Johnny Five is Spawn. Yeah, that's fine. That would work great. Nailed it. Yes. Now I just have to remember when I go to put this episode together later. Oh, don't worry. I'll say it like five times. Okay, good. Oh, the one thing too I will say about the comics for people that are really into the comics the media like the fake news idea like todd mcfarland was nailing that stuff way back in the early 90s yeah no that's yeah that's very true so there's a guy who there's a woman and they're like oh okay so we have an introduction of a character here hey that's the guy that was johnny five a lot of assassins have little dogs it's true you know not john wick or anything but Oh, I need to watch. Can you imagine if someone killed John Wick of Spawn's dog, and then that was like the beginning of Spawn? I I became a hell Spawn because somebody murdered my dog. I finally watched the first John Wick. I haven't seen the other ones yet, but I finally watched the first one a couple weeks ago, and um, I completely understand why he goes off and kills all those people. (laughs) Like I was already on board before I knew the backstory of the dog. Once I knew the backstory, I was like, "Oh fuck." He was being All nice. Right. So we just found out Johnny Five was in a secret military mission, and Jason Wynn, who's Martin Sheen's character, right. is the main focal point to that project. And his friend just told him everything kind of went sideways with the mission that he thought he was trying to do. Right. But yeah, so apparently some of the other choices, and when I say basically every African-American... Uh, Wesley Snipes, Will Smith, Denzel Washington, Samuel L. Jackson. Those are just a few of the names that I read, but it was basically everybody that could possibly headline a movie back then was uh, looked at for Spawn. And then Michael Jai White was the one that accepted. Yeah, Will Smith came close. Apparently the reason he didn't mm-hmm. do it is at the time he had a squeaky uh, clean image. And so he decided to do Men in Black instead, which probably was the better idea because I don't think changing yeah. spot that makes this movie I don't think and that's the thing the whole Todd McFarlane's very obsessed about this now is what he said was not represented well in this movie is the development of Spawn as a person and as a moral entity is very very slow and they yeah. don't do that in this movie No. so I don't know it would be interesting to see what Will Smith would have done but I feel like he would have been too emotional because Spawn's supposed to be like very like reserved, stoic, except for, you know, the negative emotions when it comes to building things or crying, which, I mean, I will say I love Will Smith, but, like, what he's known for is his, like, emotional crying that, like, leads to, you know, positivity. That's not really what this is going to do. Right. But also, at the time, Will Smith hadn't really even developed that far, so it would have been a very big challenge for that early in his career. Because, like, yeah, I remember this is, like, right after Fresh Prince Bel-Air. It's still going on. Mm-hmm. He has not been made a huge market success yet. Uh, nuclear threat. Got it. Yep. Yeah. 
You already get weird vibes from that lady. I mean, she had a gun strapped the, to her dress that was too short to hide the gun, so... What? <laughs> Spoiler alert. Okay, so he's going to a nuclear facility. What could go wrong? Nuclear. Nuclear. It's pronounced nuclear. <laughs> I need to watch the episode again. Oh, that, one of my favorite, that's like everything saves the day because Bart has a piercing. Yep. How do we get peace with a knife? Oh, uh, yes. Not with the olive branch, but with the bayonet. <laughs> no, and he's talking about getting peas at the table. Okay, so action stuff. I will say, because like this sort of reminds me, I don't know if you've seen the Aquaman movie, which I have reserved feelings about. The most redeeming feeling about the Aquaman movie is the development Mm of Man Ray. And I feel like this kind of setup is similar to the development. There's there's some crossovers here between how the character of Black Manta becomes Black Manta is also another African-American actor plays that, who is an up-and-coming actor at that time. Unfortunately for Michael J. White, he's kind of like a high B level for his career. So I know he's in The Dark Knight. Who was he in The Dark Knight? Because I honestly couldn't picture ah, him. So I can't give you a name, but do you remember um, there is a group of gang when he, when somebody captures the Joker in a garbage bag? Oh, yeah. He's the one that puts the hit on the Joker and then gets killed yeah, by his he's the, That's yeah. the thing. The problem is he's the one, of all people, blame or not, is mm-hmm. most suspicious of Joker. So Joker's like, ah, well, we got to kill him. And that's the famous scene where he breaks um, uh, a pool cue and I can't, I'm going to like butcher the thing, but we have aggressive expansion is the phrase that yeah. he does. He's actually, now that I know who he is, like, yeah, no, he <gasps> definitely very well played, especially because you can't, you got to remember he's played against the um, my Keith boss, Joker. My boss just set me up. He squirted <sighs> no. some weird sticky stuff on me and he's surrounded by fire and it says you're a dead man. Huh. What was supposed to be the like? What was he do, supposed to be doing in there? He was supposed to like dismantle the nuclear facility. I got it. Okay. But instead, you know, fire, 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 which you know is a pretty consistent concept with Spawn. Which, which actually, but spoiler I'm, alert. I'm pretty sure that has to be the scene. I think they actually did set him on fire. The actor on yes. fire for that scene. Yes, Michael J. White talks that talks about that in an interview that he did with. Uh, it's a hip hop thing and they always interview rappers and do freestyles, but I can't remember their names. Right. Cause you know, I'm not cultural. <laughs> well, he so, literally went to hell. So good for him. Well, he was burning. So I'm just assuming that long fall down a tube was down to hell. What? No, he just, you know, somehow ended up in this weird Broken down. Oh, what's this guy? So, fun fact, but not whatever it is. This is the same person who plays the character in Ice Age for people. Yep. Um, the clown or violator, as he, you can call me. Oh, uh, good job. He, yeah. He um, is John Leguizamo, who plays Sid, the sloth in Ice Age, and Luigi in the Mario list. movie. Ooh, good, good, mo- good movie reference. You did your homework. 
if I could find that movie, we would be doing it for the podcast. But that movie is really hard to find. On any oh, I, I love that's like one of those like cult classic of terribleness that it's fantastic. Yeah. So we have this really like I don't know. It kind of looks like Freddie, not Freddie Mercury, um, Freddie from mm-hmm. you know Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, Freddie Krueger. Freddie right. Krueger, thank you. Yep. And he's just kind of moseying around being grunty. This also reminds me, especially for the time, um, The Crow. Like the, um, Never seen that, it. It's on a list. How, how have I not made you watch The Crow yet? It's one of Listen, my favorite fucking I literally movies. was given the movie, borrowed to watch, and I still haven't. So that's a sore subject. On the other hand, I've watched all four movies and the TV show that ran for a season I owned on DVD. And I don't understand how it long. And I, yeah, it's called Crow Stairway to Heaven. It's very weirdly 90s, but also awesome. Hold on. The character is looking at his eyes, and his eyes start to glow. Probably going to need to kill that child to feel better. <clears throat> Coke ad? Nope. Todd McFarlane <laughs> wouldn't do that. He's very against sponsors or any kind of specific, like, you know, money grabs. Hey, it's that guy from before that they haven't introduced. (laughs) Probably going to be some sort of mentor, if I had to guess. What? No. He's not going to come back. Okay, so he's in like the pit of like a city, just like the homeless underground community. Right. Very. Here's another reference. Very demolition man. <laughs> they don't talk about barbecuing rats yet or uh, swearing so you don't have to wipe your butt. <laughs> that movie is definitely worth a watch on this podcast. Oh yeah, if uh, if I get a chance, we're not, it's on my to-do list because it's just that fun and good. Huh, there's a church in this whole desolate piece of shithole? I mean, you know it's a good church because it's got neon. Neon is yeah, the best way enter. to Everyone knows neon and glowing lights and enter. That's the church you want to be in. That guy was not told to fall. He just did that because he wanted attention. You're saying there wasn't a banana peel there? All right, so mentor guy's like, hey, I'm trying to talk to you. And he's just like, I'm just trying to figure out how to get back to my wife and my family. And the guy's like, I don't think you understand what happened. And he's just like, shut up. Leave me alone. I'm a loner. And I'd like to be alone. By the way, I just want to point out something for your knowledge. Um, now that I know you've never seen that movie, we're going to be watching The Crow whenever you do come hang out with me again in person. Like, I, I didn't know. Uh, necroplasmic. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's also like there is like talk of like um, Christianity, but it's not like traditional Christianity really. Well, yes, because that's a Todd McFarlane, like, infamous thing. Is Todd McFarlane is very, uh, he's an atheist, but he's not, like, an atheist where, like, screw God, 
it's more like there is no God, there are no sins, there are morals only, and people should not be succumbed to that. But he was more obsessed with entering the opposite of what happens to the people that traditionally in, you know, religious societies get punished and how do their lives fit into things. I should point out that's a very oddly shaped birthday clown. (laughs) No, that's normal. It's the nineties, man. He's looking at what looks to be people having fun and maybe a family. Huh? Is that his wife? (gasps) Wanda. Wanda is actually, I think, the name of Tom McFarlane's actual wife. You are correct, sir. You know your stuff. I did some research. I read some stuff. So he doesn't realize this yet because he's been through a lot. He just knows there's something not right with this. And when he looked at that man kissing the woman that he knew as Wanda and only as Wanda could not connect the two, he got upset. Right. But there's a dog. He knew the dog's name immediately priorities I mean the dog's happy to see him dogs have special telepathic powers duh thank you I would love some candy her name is a color this is a good way to get beat up Yeah, the dialogue in this is really what lacks the, you know, stuff. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know if it's like the the script just got rewritten too many times. Like, no, uh, Todd McFarlane had a lot to say about the plots of this movie. Yeah. Because the main plot, he was like, this is stupid, this is ridiculous, and that's what the director went with. Yeah, no, it's Uh-oh. more like a. They don't really know how they want to handle it because at this point you don't have any of the stuff to draw on. So do you take the comic book movie completely seriously? Do you make it a comedy? And I don't know if they ever made that decision. And so it kind of ends up being in two places at once. All right. So the clown gave the tiny girl a toy that spit, looked like weird green gas. And then the clown, which no question to that, took the weird homeless burned man, said, ah, I know you, played it off like, oh, you know, why aren't you in your shed? And those (laughs) two characters were like, this is normal, and let him away. I mean, they did, like, not question a four-foot-tall, you know, very weirdly proportioned clown showing up. I'm going to guess that, you know, he he said he would you know, do the whole shtick for free. And that's why they're not questioning it. It's like, ah, free clown. Cool. <gasps> Transformation. Yeah. Because um, the clown is only about four feet tall. Um, John Leguizamo had to spend most of the movie squatting um, on his knees. And yeah, um, <laughs> I was, I was, I was going to say something else about the clown. I'll think about it later. Oh, no. he said that the prosthetic made him feel like a penis inside a condom. Yep. That's something I, to say. 
with that. Which That's fits it. fits with with Violator very well. Yeah, because he's all about like sexual perversion, weird, un, 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 inappropriate comedy. Right. He's a very grotesque character because you know he's possibly sent by you know the underworld. I feel like he's the character that kind of works the best. Like whatever movie this did turn into, he's the one that makes the most sense. I don't know if um, I don't know if Fawn kind of fits or the other people really fit well, but he does. No, yeah, they said like John Leguizamo, even like Todd McFarlane said, for all the characters and all the scripts, he stuck to the original. No one right. else did, including Martin Sheen. Michael Jai White was very confused the whole time. And he said, look, they handed me this. I don't know anything about comics. And then the director kept telling me exactly opposite of what the script was. And he's like, I was still early in my career. So that's what I did. Right. It would have been interesting to see somebody like Bax, maybe. It would have been interesting to see like Denzel Washington or somebody that was more seasoned try and do this and see if they could make it work. I mean, I feel like, because spoiler alert, there's supposed to be a new spawn with Jamie Foxx in it. Anyone else would have probably like ruined their career. Like, Michael Jai White said this kind of like, he, you know, got paid for it, had that with the toys and property, but like, this did not help his acting career. So something, another fact that I learned that I think is important because it makes something that I always thought was a mistake into a choice. Um, when the devil here talks, you never see his mouth move. And the choice was that he was speaking through hell. So that's why his mouth never moved. It was sort of yeah, like... Yeah, it's an entire entity. Him. It's bigger than that. It's kind of like God being bigger than a specific entity or person. Right. So it's not like a mistake that they just didn't want to animate the mouth. It was that was a choice they made. So, so what we just missed here in a transaction is, uh, you know, the character we think, or this guy, who we think is possibly tied to the character that we saw before, is obsessed with a woman named Wanda, who may or may not be connected to him in a relationship in a past life. We just right. still don't know yet, and he doesn't know. Um, and the devil character was like, Hey, lead my army. And he said, yes, anything to get back to Wanda, who he feels is his wife. Cause that's his whole like purpose in life. Right. And the hell army says, yay. And he will be a hell spawn to lead the army. That's right. why the name of the movie and why spawn is spawn. Right. Spawn. And just in general, yeah, spawn is supposed to, if he <laughs> does what he needs to do, He's supposed to lead the armies of hell against I'm, the armies I'm of sorry. Hell. I forgot how good, bad of a reference that was. As someone who loves a wonderful life, John mm-hmm. Leguizamo just basically said, I'm Clarence and you're George. So well, that, they're going to go through the whole, what would happen if you had made different choices kind of a thing. Right. The other thing that he makes a lot of references to, which I'll try and catch they go through, is Apocalypse Now. Yes. <laughs> Which is obviously because Martin Sheen's in the movie. That's why he keeps referencing it. This is one of my favorite scenes right here where you have some (laughs) devil-worshipping kids in the same graveyard. 
Hey, this was the '90s, man. That was popular. I still don't know why or how. It you need to watch The Exorcist. It wasn't. People thought it was popular. That's why there was all the satanic panic of the '80s and '90s. But really, it never caught on, and it was only people making shit up, and pro and got a lot of people thrown in prison for no reason. Oh yeah, but, but the the entertainment industry made it into a thing that it was not. So yeah. it became popular based on you know entertainment making it a story. So the character is digging up what looks to be a grave, and he sees you know things that may sound feel familiar to him, but he can't understand why. Because he feels like he's alive. There you go. There's a locket that'll help you remember. That's also hey, you know, feeling having to dig up your own body. They don't. They don't. Yeah, this is this is the beginning of where things start to go, not good. Although, again, his comedic value is worth it. Right. Yeah, now he's the like I said, he's the part. John Leguizamo is the clown. It's the part of the movie that works. Everything else, <laughs> to varying degrees, does not. Oh, his hand just glue. Uh-oh. He's transforming. I love the fact that he insults these, like, devil worshippers, but is like, listen, if you really want in, you <laughs> can have your own set of this armor. Special effects. This kind of feels Power Rangers-y. A little bit, yeah. Necro flesh. Easy price of your soul. And a buttload of pain. <laughs> Weekend Satanists. And that's the thing, too. He never talks directly. It's all, like, in circles or allegories or metaphors. <laughs> He's like, you idiot. Don't you remember the conversation? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I love all the titles. The Duke of Deep Pride. <laughs> and then he still, even though, like, same thing, his comedic bits are pretty good, he doesn't give himself any credit. Oh, there goes the anger for no reason. Did you use the G word? <laughs> la 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 la. Wanda. Okay, weird CGI stuff happening. They're going to teleport now. <laughs> Masturbation reference. 
Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. So, um, apparently, I don't know if those were act. No, I think those were actual worms that he's eating right now. And he mm-hmm. actually, and John Gazama actually did that, but he vomited right after the take was over. Yep. That's why they cut. I could kick some puppies. Huh. Hey, don't destroy those city municipal dumpsters. He broke a building. And he has claws. He's Wolverine. Okay. Oh no, it's that guy from before. What do you want? Yeah, so really, so this is like Anakin Skywalker. So this um, character, whose name I don't remember, he... Um, in real life, he went around a big Coglio chunk of Strip. Europe trying to um, start Freemasonry and uh, spent some time locked up in the Bastille in France and then went to Rome and tried to spread it there and was put on trial for magic, Freemasonry, conjuring, something else. And ended up dying in solitary confinement. This was all back in like 1500, something like that. Yeah, magic stuff, Merlin. Yeah. We here find ourselves as some kind of military compound. Yeah, as a history person, I just appreciate that they actually found a real person that kind of fits into the storyline. And like, oh yeah, this will be the guy. Oh no, yeah. So that, that there's an explanation of that in the comics of why that character pit exists. This is something that Spawn created: the splicing of news channels and creating very different personalities and personas and agendas. He right. did very, very well in the comics. Hmm. Here we see Weird Lady, who's definitely in a weird sexual suit, talking to what appears to be maybe someone, the characters before, his best friend. Pretty much he's talking to Ulysses S. Grant. <laughs> if you remember our Wild Wild West episode. And the only thing that doesn't ever make sense about Jason Wynn's character is he is obsessed with the news. Like, mm-hmm. he has his own ideas and power, but in, in the comics, he's more of a formal gangster with a lot right. of power. In the movie, they make him more into just like a, a tyrant who wants to destroy the world. Right. Which, in that's the movie, not yeah. his character. In the movie, I don't even get the the, um, the idea too. that he's a is a gangster of any kind. He's more just like a businessman. Yep. Which is not just this is that's not just specific to this movie. That's a lot of what the '90s did to a lot of super villain. Like Lex Luthor became a businessman around the same time mm-hmm. on the uh, Superman TV show. <gasps> Cape. So it's not Doctor Strange, and they don't really explain it for quite a while. But his cape is one of the coolest things about his character. I will say that. Yeah. He's not questioning the fact that he has, like, superpowers or strength. He's going back to what he knew best. When he was in the military, he was good with guns. Right. (laughs) Oh, and then what we did miss is, in order to the agreement to see Wanda again, 
he had to kill Jason Wynn, a.k.a. his former boss, who blackmailed him into death. Oh, yeah, and there's a very specific reason why he has to kill him. Well, that's pretty much what the movie's about. So, Which is the plot that Todd McFarlane despised and said, please don't make this a movie. But it, so he didn't like the idea of, like, without going too much into it, he didn't like the idea of where the movie goes. What did he want to have happen in the movie? So the cartoon goes into the character development of Spawn. The plot uh, is not about a good guy and a bad guy. The whole thing that makes Spawn is it's a introspective development and understanding of the character. And the way it was presented, none of the directors liked that for some reason. They wanted a traditional, oh, there's this guy, he has to, you know, redemption story, find himself, beat the bad guy. And like, mm-hmm. that's not really what Spawn's about. But people didn't like that. Right. And the award-winning HBO series, it took three seasons for Spawn to kind of like go through and figure out he has powers, why he has powers, what to do with them. So right. in their defense, they tried to, you know, as always, which one of the issues with movies, except for like Lord of the Rings, is they had to congest it. They had to make it a lot, a lot smaller. Right. But instead of the internal struggle that Spawn has, and also he takes on the spirit of his friend and makes a demon child, which is the main conflict of like most of the comics, they don't address right. that at all in this. Because he, mm-hmm. he uses his suit to pretend to be his friend to have sex with his former wife. But in yeah. the 90s, that was kind of frowned upon. Huh. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think Spawn is... Just from what I'm learning from you, I think it's better as a character. He's better suited for this moment in comic book history movies because, like now, we've done the the straightforward good guy bad guy so much that it will be refreshing to do one that's not about that. But well, that was time, one of the things that made and the argument for the why the Dark Knight and why Batman Begins. This and one of my favorite movies, um, Unbreakable, were the mm-hmm. pivotal thing of. Superman superhero movies addressing more of the human element and making right. that popular. Right. And but at the time, like at this point, the only thing that you would have to compare this to is basically the well, I guess he had a couple Batman movies, but they were good guy, bad guy. And then the really mm-hmm. popular thing was the Supermans, the first two of them, where it's clearly good guy, bad guy. So uh, I don't think introduction of character. To to um, look at it in the way that I think Spawn needs to be looked at. <clears throat> yeah, so Jason Wynn is talking to classic other world leaders who want to consume power for reasons. Right. And most of them are portrayed as random, weird African kings. Oh, another piece of random trivia. Martin Short would get another... I'm sorry... Sheen would get another <laughs> like, superhero movie in 2012. He played in the Amazing Spider-Man 2, I believe. That goes back to the other thing. I was like, this is right before, because like the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man was only a few years really after this. Yeah, it seems like a different era, but you're right. It's only like three years or so. Because like Blade takes off and gets a sequel, and that's what leads you to Spider-Man... Um, and then Spider-Man sort of ushers in the new wave of superhero movies. So the weird sexualized chick 
has a bunch of stuff. Oh, look. Presentation. That graphic. Huh. I don't think, yeah, I don't think you could have done that cape any better at the time period, but it does definitely stand Not out. As like, well. oh, yeah, this is, yeah, this is like Beast Wars. You know, CGI. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if they had the mummy's budget, they could have made that cape a little bit more realistic. All right, so it's a revenge story. You burned me alive and set me up, so I'm going to humiliate you, and that's the clot. And you, I died, and you had sex with my wife. How dare you? I will say, she didn't wait that long. I mean, he's only, I don't know if I said it yet, but he's only been dead for a year, and they're already married. Yeah, but, like, that's kind of, like, the trope of, like, anything is, like, I don't know, to, like, a spouse or whatever. Like, a year can be a really long time, especially in movie world. Oh, guns. Finally, we're seeing a weirdly sexualized violent chick fire a gun at somebody. Yeah, and, you know, she's a character which they do not develop in any way, shape, or form. Wait, he's glowing. Is he a predator? Kind of looks like Predator Predator 2. Alien versus Predator versus Spawn. Oh, yeah. One of the things that they said that Michael Jai White. So Sean, so Spawn never had, and Todd McFarlane was specific about him never really having a catchphrase. And Michael Jai White agreed, but the directors literally wanted him to have something. So damn was the best that they could come up with. And then later on, Ron Simmons would use that to great effect in the WWE. <laughs> was Ron Simmons also a deep-voiced black man? Because otherwise yes. it doesn't really work. Okay. Yes, yes he was. Um, if you ever remember the tag team APA, he was the uh, black gentleman of that group. But later on, after Bradshaw became his own bad guy, he literally would make a paycheck for more than a decade where if somebody would say something, they'd pan off camera and he would just be standing there and he would just say, damn, and that would be it. But, but, like he literally got paid for more than 10 years doing that one word in <laughs> WWE. <laughs> He doesn't have guts, so she's right. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, and also they introduce a character, which is a really cool character in the comics, and they never address it. That was a little uh, Easter egg when that woman who had a very large green dress, who had what looked like spawn earrings, um, very cool character oh, yeah. in the comics, but they do not address that because, again, director had creative differences, which is that's kind of a huge pivotal moment in the cartoons. But I'm petty. Yeah. Somebody pointed like that was something that was pointed out in the trivia that she was like a full on character that they just sort of cut. Yeah. That's the whole yeah. thing of the redemption story. What makes Spawn a different Hell Spawn and decide to use his powers, not traditionally for good, but not just selfishly to. Um, commit to Malvosia's plan is right. he has to she has to try to kill him and they have a whole interaction and instead of she gets close to killing him but he has a chance to kill her and he doesn't and then she said she's an angel and she's like and he's like wait what and she says in order for me to do my job I have to die if you don't kill me I will be punished by heaven so 
is a heroic feat at some point. He decides to kill her. The other angels witness this, and they think, ah, like rebalance, rebalance the force. He can be a hellspawn for good. Yeah, that reminds like um, I think I remember hearing about that character before, and th- I think she ended up in the Marvel universe before Spawn ever did somehow, like some weird way that she ended up in the comics. I don't know because um, Marvel was not successful for quite some time. I don't know if it was Marvel. Uh, honestly, I'm talking about something I heard years ago, and I'm not a big comic person, so I should probably shut up. <laughs> also. He has magical powers. He just did a camouflage thing with a cape. But he's too heavy for the side of that wall. Like, they could have come up with something else. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. You're right. That's not the worst part of the movie. Like, I could have picked on other things. But I'm just going to pick on things that aren't the big things. Right. So it's kind of... His cape is kind of Doctor Strangey. Except for, like, it creates itself. Right. It is a living entity by itself and it tries to save itself, but it also tries to save its wearer because it cannot exist like without its wearer. I feel like this is a famous image from the comic, him sitting on the crucifix with the giant cape all around him. Oh no, yes, that's literally like every, for like the first two and a half seasons of the three seasons of the award-winning HBO series. That's literally his character. He doesn't yeah. talk that much. Fairly She's not good. well. Apparently they put people on ice right away when they take people away in the uh, She doesn't even have like a gunshot. She just has like, you know, uh, somebody possibly punched her on the side of the head once. Right. And a cat is talking to him. The pss, 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 pss. Like no one questions this blue faced clown just hanging around. Oh no, he's in between all the police and firemen, so no one sees him except Mark. Keep saying Martin Short, Martin Sheen. There you go. You've you've ruined me. <laughs> that was my fault. I will say he did good because Jason Wynn. One of the things that like has a character, he flies off the handle at like the stupidest stuff because he has a power hungry. That is one thing that he did well. Yeah. Well, I mean. No matter what you give him, at a certain point, Martin is just a good enough actor that he's going to get something out of it. This is this is true. Even if that something, you know, is almost nothing. Which should give you an idea of how bad the script must have been, if that's the most that he can get out of it. I just love and that it, as a clown, he refers to people as Bozo quite a bit. And again, I will point out that like this isn't like one of those projects that he took for money. He was excited to do it, so he's yep. trying his best with what he has. So that was the other thing, too, because in the new Spawn, which is happening, Jamie Foxx, the reason why he was cast was not Todd McFarlane. As like a fan of Spawn, which Jamie Foxx has been since he was like 14, he kept right. writing letters to Todd McFarlane, and Todd McFarlane said, you know what? Like, last time I let the people do the stuff and it turned out terrible, so I want someone who really knows this character to play this character. That makes sense, yeah. And, unlike this one, the story development's going to be much, much slower, and he has basically explained, as the cartoon series, this has a lot of character development in a very quick amount of time. He wants Spawn not to be much of an actor as more of a specter. He compared it to Jaws. 
Okay, like that makes sense. The shark in Jaws, you know it's there. And it's the main character, quote unquote. But there's not a lot of, you know, dialogue. I hope he doesn't fall into the opposite trap, which the, um, the newest Fantastic Four movie kind of did, Oof. where they tried to develop it for so long that it literally felt like it was a two-hour movie building to an actual movie. Like, it was like the first ten minutes of the movie stretched over two hours. And it's like, oh yeah, just it's about to start, and it's over. So it's one of the biggest that. things they always bring to this is his, his former wife is super concerned about, like, you know, WHO. So, like, world viruses caring about the most vulnerable populations. So it's the classic, like, the superhero's, you know, main protagonist character's wife or love interest is, like, the best of the best people. Right. But he has a daughter. Especially, like, she does not really pay attention to what her husbands do for work, though, because... Both of them were hired assassins. Yeah, they don't. They address that to a degree, but it's the whole like, um, the people who work for the FBI, like, oh no, no, I'm just I work for the phone company, like right. that kind of stuff. Like they know it's hush. It's kind of like gangster wives. Like they know something's there, but they just don't ask questions because they feel like if they do, they'll die. Right. <laughs> Here comes the weird <laughs> sexual perversion, which he is known for. So here's a cheerleader for Spawn because he wants Spawn to do things. But Mobolja is very upset. And then, yeah, Violator always goes back to like the star screen. Power hungry. He has special powers, but he's not a true leader. Therefore, Mel Bolge was like, yeah, you can't really do what I want you to do. You only can do what I sent you to do. So I guess there's a scene later on, which I, I'm, if I remember right, I know where it is. But apparently he later calls out the uh, there's others of his kind. There's like five different ones. And there's a part where he calls out all their names except for one. Mm-hmm. Where I, I can't, I don't know enough about the comics to know more about that, but it's like, he says, I'm not the like the vindicator or the the last one, the joke is vibrator. That's the one that's not yes. actually one of the five. But yeah, I don't so apparently there's more than just him. Yeah, that goes back to the time. that goes back to the character that they didn't do, the angel that was there to kill spawn. Hell spawns have literally been a thing forever. So Melboja assigns someone and it gives them the opportunity to lead. Hell's army against Heaven's army. So if you remember some of South Park stuff when there was a whole Heaven versus Hell thing, uh-huh. that concept is like pivotal and integral to what Spawn represents. There's a significant, huge battle between Heaven and Hell. Spawn is supposed to lead the battle for Hell and Heaven being Heaven. <laughs> like, we don't want you to lead them. And he's like, oh, you want me to lead that? And they're like, no, no, no. And he's like, What? He's like, well, yeah, you know, we don't really advise killing, even though we're in a war. And he's like, well, that's stupid. So he becomes a neutral between the two and uses his powers to kind of neutralize the conflict between heaven and hell. 
huh, which actually really nicely dovetails into the mo- other movie we're going to do at some point. It's kind of competing with this. Of what movie? Uh, Constantine. Oh, yes, that would be a weird fit. Yeah. I, like, they're both dealing with heaven and hell, so it should be a surprise, but I never thought about the two of them being kind of a balance between the two. Constantine and Al Simmons would probably end up being friends because they're both like magical powers. They don't want the responsibility that they have. They want to be left alone. Um, they don't really like people and they don't really like what they have to do. So that fits. Right. I one's don't... like a black wacky. One's like a, you know, a white British guy who's sassy. Right. And then traditional trope, the African-American black guy is, you know, no emotions, very stoic, and over time, slowly regrets some of the decisions that he's made. Right. I um, I just recently heard an interview, which I found really fascinating. I think a lot of people have caught it, or, like, um, jumped on it, is um, uh, Keanu Reeves was asked, like, what character would you like to play again? And he said that he would love to play John Constantine. He's been trying to do it for years, but nobody will make the, a sequel to that movie which I find really interesting. That is really interesting, but this is kind of a pivotal moment, sordidly or sadly. It's not really made a big deal, but... And the thing with Spawn that they don't really address until much later on, the things mm-hmm. that give him power, because he's a hell spawn, is, like, any negative emotions. But the problem with negative emotions is they control you. Right. Right, he was just about to beat that kid's father to death because the father was a jerk. So we have a weird 90s contraption going into Jason Wynn's heart, potentially. It's basically um, Iron Man, but with nuclear power. (laughs) And except for the fact that, like, in Iron Man, he's doing it to survive. This guy is literally doing it because he wants someone to kill him. Is that what he wants, or is that literally him having an ace in the hole so he won't be killed? So that's what he wants, but the goal of Melbolgia and the Violator, or not, right. sorry, the, vind- the Vindicator? No, the Violator. No, Violator. No. They gave him that idea because that's that's the, the whole plot, which the way yeah. Spawn also solves that is another thing that Todd McFarlane had a huge issue with because yeah. in the world of this movie, it's the wackiest loophole, so I will leave it at that. Yeah, so I think at this point we've gone far enough that we can say that the whole idea, as we said earlier, Spawn's supposed to kill Jason Wynn. The reason they want him to kill him is because at this point they've convinced him to connect his body to a uh, doomsday device for the most part. So if he yep. dies, doomsday. So. Well, and also Spawn's, are, Spawn's power and the suit comes from basically killing people that are on like that don't deserve it or well, like that, that quote unquote deserve it because the whole thing with heaven and hell is if you kill, you know, the child molesters, the murderers that fuels the thing for hell. Cause that builds more of an army for hell. So the whole idea of it is most of the people and things that, you know, that are involved are significantly corrupt. So if they die, Mobile gets more power. So, is that why Spawn's power is supposed to be limited because he's not killing the right people to power his suit? So or... that's kind of started to be addressed. 
Um, and then that's one thing that the comics do is over time, they redevelop and change that because even though it's a hell spawn suit, so it was created by Melbosha. So how he gets his powers or how he originally gets his powers is from, you know, uh, sinful negative energy towards, you know, uh, vengeful acts or, you know, um, creating acts of violence against people that quote unquote deserve it. Now the Cogliostro guy tries to introduce a different thing to him. Right. Oh, he's starting to be protective of something. Interesting. I love this rationale. Curious crispy. Yeah, so this goes back to like predestination. Like hell was in his pocket way before he was dead. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, he was an assassin, so I'm sure he killed a lot of people. He did deserve it. He had a lot of sins that would have gone to hell anyway. Yep, and that goes back to his history of being a Marine, and then he was a, uh, I believe, a uh, SEAL after that. I guess that's possible. And he, was a con- he was a contract killer, but he was he thought he was doing it for America, but then he got kind of used to a certain lifestyle and then adopted right. that after he was out of the Marines. Uh-oh. Seems like there could be some kind of fight brewing. I love 50 pieces. Like, he's referencing, like, how old he is. He just stole his dog. That's not very 2020 of him. It's a, I mean, he hasn't seen John Wick yet, so he doesn't understand the danger he's in. Almost got... You, you have to be very careful as a filmmaker whether or not you hurt a dog. Because people will go crazy. Oh, well, if you hurt a dog, but someone like, you know, reacts in that, they're going to be like, ah, hero, we'll forget about the other thing. Right. Or the vibrator. There it is, the yeah. Violator. Which we- is a very good name choice for his character because it's all about, like, perversion. So that right. also fits well. Ah, CGI stuff that doesn't look so good. Yeah. Well, again, like, I think at the time a lot of movies did this, it would have been much better off to use, like, puppets like they were going to do for the devil because those can look really cool if you do them right, but they're also very expensive. So probably the CGI would be a cheaper choice. In the world of Marvel, too, Violator looks a lot like Fing Fang Foom. Like who? Yep, Fing Fang Foom. Okay. You'll have to look it up after. This dog is the best dog in the world. It yeah, just that attacked a giant dog. demon spawn. 
for almost no reason because it's trying to protect its very dead owner. Oh no, we got him. Green smoke. I have all these magical powers and body armor, but I have guns. Well, no one's taught him how to use the body armor, really. Not yet. That's the Which whole point. This far in the movie. <laughs> well, so that's just... well, so that's that's one thing they tried to kind of ish stay true. The development of Spawn is he only uses his powers when the Violator teases him into using them because he tricks him into killing people. Because the whole point of the suit is it's supposed to be like intuitive, but it it learns by feeling. So it learns best by feeling with negative emotions. Right. So, you know, uh, jealousy, you know, all all the really good stuff. Jealousy, fear, anger. I will say that The makeup work in this movie is really good. Like the spawn suit itself looks good. The makeup when he's just his burnt self is really good. But um oh, it's just they rely too much on Like Samuel L. Jackson would have gotten the R rating because we would have had to say motherfucker at least five times. So that's one thing that they did keep too is L. Simmons, as brutal of a killer is, he doesn't like he says like son of a bitch and stuff like that, but he doesn't swear all the time. Like as a Marine, right. he still has very high priorities. Even as an assassin, he's just kinda like, I'm just here to do my job. So he doesn't even too development as a character, like he very rarely uses cuss words for no cuss word reason. Like when he uses a swear word, it's significant to what's happening. So like I feel like in spawn character development, Samuel L. Jackson would have probably put a lot of more emotion into it where the whole character build is spawn spawns very slow realization of what's happening and then developing choices. Right. And I f- and I feel like Samuel L. Jackson is more of a dynamic character. I love how he mimics Arnold Schwarzenegger there, by the way. (laughs) Twinkle, twinkle, little spawn. That has to be a reference to um, the Manson family. Helter Skelter is coming down. He does do good at pissing people off. Like, he does his job well. Ooh, that's another thing for this movie that they don't address. In the comic, there's two detectives, what are, which are very, very important characters, and they just kind of left Twitch specifically out of this. And as a Spawn fan, that's like leaving Commissioner Gordon out of Batman. Gotcha. It's, it's not good. Yeah, no, there's not, for the amount of, like, um, violence there is, there's not really much in the way of, uh, like, uh, police, like, actual law enforcement mentioned or thought of. 
Well, and that's the other thing, too. In the beginning, the people that Spawn kills are all criminals, so no one seems to notice. And, like, not just career criminals, but, like, significant, like, child molesters, like, people who are, like, not just gang members, but, like, the lowest of the gang members, not the higher ones on the list. So he, the people he usually kills first, and kind of the violator and Mel Bolger kind of pick those people to be less pro- high profile. Gotcha. Except so, for Jason Wynn. This is bad timing, but I have to um, leave the people with you for a minute, so I'll be right back. Don't worry, um, I can talk about this stuff. We're yeah, in just like a pivotal moment where characters are developing. Uh, I'll be back as fast as I can here. So, what do you mean? I'm talking about you. Didn't leave. (laughs) So, Cogliostro has this magical green sword, and Spawn's just kind of like, "Okay, I don't know what's happening here." Oh yeah, there's the uh, little boy and the dad. He's still very angry, and Cogliostro is trying to like give him words of wisdom, and Spawn's just like, "Wanda." Everything for Wanda. Which, by the way, not only was Wanda a hell of a person, apparently, but, like, he must have just, like, everything with Wanda because just, like, it's soul consumption. And then his human thing comes in where he's like, oh, children. I don't kill them. Ugh, fine. Anger is weakness. It's like a Yoda quote. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Yeah, basically, Cogliostro is the Yoda of this movie, but in a very, very bastardized version. Oh, that's also one thing that this movie doesn't do is in the comics, they te- they literally keep saying it's a test, it's a test, it's a test. That's the first time that this movie addresses that in order for a Hellspawn to become a Hellspawn, he basically has to kill like 50 people. Like there's a random number, but like he has to consume and like the main goal. So like killing Jason Wynn is what makes a Hellspawn decide I am for hell. I can lead the hell hell's army. So, Cogliostro, naturally, is trying to stop him from doing that. And, you know, guns are the best way. We're Marley and Marley. Chains! Oh, he's back on the church rooftop. Okay, here's the explanation that I was talking about. So this is pivotal, folks. I know we're all watching eagerly. Both the cape and the suit have a mind of their own. 
Haha, <laughs> Yoda. There you go. Pull. Also, I know I can't go back, but like the, the guy who is Cobriostro is a fairly famous actor, but I can't put my uh, tongue or finger on it quite yet. Oh, it's kind of like the Ghost Rider story in some sense. He's made a friend. <clears throat> I know I love the whole heaven and hell dynamic, but he literally just stole someone's motorcycle, and the heaven guy is totally okay with it. You know, priorities. <gasps> Suit. All right, so the, the buildup here, now that the Violator knows that Heaven is trying to teach him things, best way to teach is just reactions and experience. So the Violator is literally just trying to piss Spawn off to have him lead with his emotions only so he can be clouded, not make a moral choice, and just kill Jason Wynn in his rage. Got a little bit of blade stuff going on here because, you know, motorcycle usage. Ooh, grenade launcher. This kind of feels a little twisted metally to reference some stuff that people may or may not remember. And I'm sure uh, the Jonathan, if Jonathan doesn't know what twisted metal is, I need to teach him many things. Oh, stuff is going to happen. Like all bad villains, they use specific powers or concepts that don't exist in real life. So Necrogoo, they don't really reference. But in the comics, the Violator can use pieces or extracts of like hell substance to affect things in real life. Here we go. Showdown. Michael Bay. <laughs> That's just a large explosion for almost no reason. And the cape's just like, eh, it's fire. Oh, 
right, so. <laughs> we I'm see sorry his friend. <laughs> we see his friend looking at a data disk. And he's trying to learn something. We still don't know what. He just knows he's suspicious about something. Oh, no, that looks bad. That pretty much looks like the end of the world. As Wanda sleeps peacefully. Well, she doesn't know about the end of the world. Of course she doesn't. She's trying to save it. Irony. (laughs) So, you know, that little scene, there was supposed to be a sex scene. But they Mm -hmm. couldn't allow it. Yeah, because I think one of the big things that the executives were looking for was a PG-13 rating. Yeah, because that whole Deadpool argument came in here is the heart, the thing that made, and that's what uh, Todd McFarlane also believed was the success of Spawn in the comics where they weren't allowed in the movies. It's, it's a hard R rating. Yeah. Um, and basically because of the 90s, they just couldn't do that. No, that's fair. Like, But yeah, I think Deadpool, Spawn, and The Punisher are all hard R superheroes. And the, Well, The Punisher too, like for its time, it, I don't think it did well as a movie. Not because it wasn't a good movie, but like People weren't ready for that yet. Yeah, I think the the first Magic one I think is pretty good, but yeah, with uh, Thomas Jane. Yeah, I think it was a very good, but I don't think it had anything to do with why the comic is good. If that makes sense. Yes, it's a good revenge story. <laughs> you saw my secret. <laughs> you know how to get rid of it? Blow it up with a gun. That's that's nineties computer. Um, Thought you just blow up the actual monitor and then you're done. Yeah, like it's still in the hard drive. He didn't shoot like the tower. Not, not to mention, let's not even start talking about servers. <laughs> no, but like literally the concept of just shooting the monitor, like that doesn't mean anything. I heard a story, like a, it's a recent story of um, a murder. Some guy killed his wife and the cops took possession of their Alexas, assuming that that would have recorded something of their conversation, not understanding how Alexa works. That, that sounds both accurate and inaccurate. <laughs> That's my special. This poor family, they've been through a lot, right? My husband died. I had sex with his best friend. We lived together. We had some weird traumatic experience with, you know, some weird homeless guy that my daughter likes. Now my boss is telling me that my boss is trying to kill me. My boss is like, hey, you found my secret plan. And now that clown, which may kind of look like the clown that we hired for my daughter's, our, our, you know, our daughter's party. What? Have they even like, have we gotten to the full understanding of what his plan is about the whole kill our machine, blow the world yet? Or? Uh, a little bit. So, um, Terry, who is Spawn, who is Al Simmons' best friend, in the data disc, just realized that there was a plot that if something is destroyed, we don't know exactly know what, here we are addressing it. Um, basically, this huge chemical like explosion is like all over, like there's like 12 places throughout the world that just explode and blow mm-hmm. up everything and the world literally just goes to hell. Aha, uh-huh. hell. Oh, Bobo's just had enough of this bullshit, so he teleports Spawn back to hell, 
to have a converse confrontation with him. Right. Just kidding. He teleports him to his house. What he thinks is his house. Oh no, Wanda, the only reason why I became a Hellspawn. You really should have thought through that deal a little bit more before you sign on. Yeah, so the whole thing, too, with Jason Wynn here is Jason Wynn doesn't realize the actual mission. He was told that he was just trying to, you know, corrupt Spawn, not that Spawn is supposed to kill him. Right. Yeah, no, the, very much if he didn't, real, if he hadn't realized that his death was the idea, I don't think he would be along with it. Eh, I stabbed your wife with a magical knife. How do you feel? feels pretty sad and pain is what fuels the suit sort of like Darth Vader kind of this is like a if Star Wars failed this is what that would have been like right you know what 15 20 years later yeah yeah, you're right. People would just be watching A New Hope. Like, this movie has moments, but, you know, just couldn't get over that home. I mean, that's the universe if uh, George Lucas evolved Jar Jar Banks in 1976. Jar Jar gets a bad rap. He does. I mean, there's good reasons why, but he, for the most part, more than he should. <laughs> Same thing with Anakin. Like, there's there's development there, but they just kind of actor stuff. Wait, what's wrong right. with his hand? They didn't talk about that at all. He has a weird, like, I'm a male model hand. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Good kill. There's, there's stuff happening. He's not wrong. I mean, he also kill everybody else, but I guess she will work as like a stand-in for everyone. Well, yeah, he's going back to the only thing that he knows that the character cares about. And Todd McFarlane's least part of this entire film. He uses his oh, magical he-be-my-Superman uses... stuff yeah, to that... incision the device out of his <laughs> bo- former boss and blow it up and somehow, by blowing it up, it doesn't release the virus. Yeah, that is very much Superman 2 throwing the giant's um, silicone S from his chest that takes over the big guy. Like, just randomly having a new power at this moment that perfectly helps him fix the situation. So this goes back to the corruptness of Malbolgia. That's not his wife. It's all a plot yeah. and a ploy. And of course, we already talked about the way to kill a hell spawn is you chop off their heads. Which was referenced by the Violator early on, which is actually technically not true because Spawn finds that out in... Uh, I could be a nerd and say exactly what issue it is, but I, I'm not going to. <clears throat> <laughs> it's way later in the series, folks. Yeah, it seems you, like something you have, have to, to have... 
you have to get to like issue 300. Yeah. No, definitely like it seems like one of those things where if they're going to retcon, that's how you kill him. Um, it would have to be much, much later because it feels like a very cool or a good thing to have for the hero. Well, you can't, you can only a hell spawn can kill a hell spawn, and that's or an angel, and that's what remember the character that we had talked about that doesn't really get justice, the lady in green, for no reason that they just don't address. Right. That's kind of what makes a pivotal point in spawn being, uh, uh, not a hell spawn specifically. If we ever Someone. do watch The Crow, especially for the podcast, remind me to talk about the Skull Cowboy because it's a very similar thing. Skull Cowboy. Yeah, it's a character that's not even seen on screen, but there's a very specific part where you, if you know what to look for, you know where he would have been. But he's a very important character <gasps> in the comic. Hey, it's that guy. I'm confused. You know who's really confused? Martin Sheen. Because at this point he's figured out that his whole point was to be killed. So the weird thing that they talk about. So in Heaven and Hell if you embrace the pain and like try to ignore it, that makes the healing faster. If you embrace the pain and like fully feel it in like a Buddhist sense, that's the heaven way to, to heal yourself. Oh, that makes sense. But that's some good story development, new character development. He's got some like night stuff going on. Huh. Wonder if that's on purpose. Overgrown gecko. He really does remind me. Now you like you brought it up, he really does remind me of um Ghost Rider, how there's the old version of Ghost Rider. Well, it, it's a similar kind of concept to a degree. Because he was a that the whole thing about that was he was a hell spawn. Um, he was an unsuccessful Hellspawn because he ended up going for heaven, but he never right. was able to unlock full Hellspawn powers because he went to heaven early. Right. But now Spawn, who is trying to find his powers, is now trying to save the person who saved his wife. He's fine. He didn't just vaporize this is where the graphics, like, they could have just, like, been a little less creative and it would have been better. Yeah. No, like, the first fight between the Violator and Spawn looks a lot better than the second fight here. Well, yeah, because this is in weird fake Hulu lava land. And again, I don't think any of this was originally supposed to be in the movie. They added this later. No. Except for the way that Spawn defeats him. I think is in the comics. Mm, maybe that's not what I'm thinking. Well, he does use the hand thing quite a bit. No, because in the comics, I think the violet he the spawn lets him eat him, and then he uses his chains to his insides out. Okay. Well, yeah, no, see all see all the spawns. Those are the spawns before him. They don't have as many powers because when you're still 
have some kind of morality and when he's attached to it living being his former wife you get powers from that that seems like a weird flaw in the design of his like army that they get well, less powerful as they get closer to him well i think that was one of the things the whole heaven hell like battle is the the origin story of the suits was like a punishment from heaven and then Melvosha right. made it into like, oh, he can control my army and have all these special powers. And they're like, well, no. So this is not in the comics at all because he's like winning the day by, I don't know, friendshipping, killing. Right. He's just basically destroying all the spawns as if that was something that easily could be done. And then floating yeah. out of his ass to you- go back to <laughs> Using soul force to fly out of Mel Bolge's lair and Santa Claus's way back to the house. It would clearly have just been farting. Because it's spawn, we're going to call it soul force. (laughs) Well, it didn't just kind of like vanish. He had this green stream the whole time. And spawn (laughs) doesn't fart. He's dead. He doesn't eat things. Fair. Can't, Can't fart if you don't eat. That's basic science. That also would be a good title for this episode. <laughs> I can't fart if you die. And I'll stick with Johnny Five become Spawn, but I love <laughs> that. He's finally realizing something. I like there's I love it how there's always like the one true Morty kind of thing for everything is like ah. Uh, We've looked so long for this quest and you who has like moral questioning, who can't figure stuff out. You're not good. You're not bad. You're the one. And they're like, wait, why? And he's like, well, because you're indecisive. Right. Spaz. Yeah, really the biggest hero in this all is the dog. And the kid who doesn't really have, oh, sorry, Zach, but he just calls him kid. Uh Uh-oh. Uh, mystery powers. Something's happening to the house. Hey. Where did he get... Oh, Jason Wynn's gun. Use your armor. Why, but like the cadence of that, I've had memorized for some time. <laughs> okay, so this is true to the comic. This is how he starts to defeat him, which remember was one of the cool, weird Hellspawn things. Is like, ah, yeah, by trying to eat me, I just I mean, impaled and then decapitate you. So yeah, you're right. He does do comic accurate death. It's only after. You get to see the non-comic accurate stuff. I love the idea of him using his tongue to stand up his own head. That's that they did good on that. I'm gonna gum you to death. (laughs) 
and you know, hell loses. Woo. <laughs> well, one thing I remember because I said Michael J. White, like the amount of face makeup and stuff, like, like he basically committed to being in the full suit, like most of the movie. Like he's like, we shot the you know the scenes where I was Al Simmons, and then like. He's like, then it was hell for like four weeks where he yeah. was just in this suit like for like days at a time. From what I heard, it, like he had to like draw on his martial arts training to deal with the claustrophobia. Yes, and... that is true. Because that's the one thing too. Michael J. White is a very good like stunt action actor. And the question <laughs> of, unfortunately, that's never really been shown because all of the movies that they've done don't really help that. He could have been in one of the Mortal Kombat's, but yeah, that was actually he. Well, he was going to be in the the worst one. He actually made a good choice there because he was <laughs> up with Jax in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, so he made the better choice not to be in the second one. The necklace. Just let her have that spawn weird demon energy. So that's something that like he had a daughter where no, he creates a daughter because throughout the spawn series, the true, like the one true Morty is the <laughs> accidental kind of like Jesus spawn. When he takes his friend's form using the suit and has sex with his wife, he has his own quote unquote hell spawn who he realizes he treats cause it's his daughter. And then after a long period of time realizes that she has his powers, but she can control them and doesn't, have the emotional pain that comes with it. Oh, that'd be useful. But that's way down the line. So what you're saying is we shouldn't expect to see that storyline flushed down in the uh, Jamie Foxx <sighs> version. No, that's... I, I don't remember... Okay, here's the famous scene. Yeah. So in the comics, and that's one thing they kind of finally state-ish true, is like, Spawn standing on the cross, like contemplating existence or doing the Batman pose is literally like two minutes of every episode of the comic books. Right. (sighs) Credits. And the movie, stay tuned for Spawn 2 and 3, which were both in production. And I think technically never got completely abandoned. I don't know if they morphed into the Jamie Foxx ones, but yeah. Uh, no, the, yeah, the funding, the funding for those, uh, Todd McFarland, after the disaster that was this movie, decided, even though they were given money by producers, he's like, no, I want this to be what I want this to be, and this is not it at all. Right. So because he had creative control, he was able to basically take that funding, put it in like a safety box, and hope that he could reboot it at one point in time. He always promised all of the Spawn, like, fandom people that there would be a reboot that would give more justice towards the cartoon. And if Keith David couldn't act in it, he would find somebody that would justify the character better. And he had nothing. That was the only thing, too. The two people before, like Todd McFarlane, had nothing. He's not a man of many words, but when they asked him if they had to, like, signal people out, like, the two people that he did not signal out for doing a bad job were John Leguizamo and Michael Jai White. He said Michael Jai White had the hardest job because the script was crap and the whole idea and concept of Spawn was 
essentially ignored for the movie. Right. So wait, did he say that John Leguizamo did a bad job Mm-mm. or did a good job? He thinks that John Leguizamo, like those characters, it was not their fault. And um, I don't know if he ever gave John Leguizamo the credit that like we kind of think about, mm-hmm. but in Todd McFarlane way, like if you don't get words said about you and you don't get words said about you that are slightly bad or neutral, he doesn't hate you. He, no, not he doesn't hate you, but he doesn't have bad things to say. Like it takes a lot for him to say something bad, but like if he does, it's, it's like it's very small, but it's huge. Right. Because like the, the the director of the one movie when he made it out, and he had like like I think within a month after the movie was released, he made a press release press release saying, "I did not approve of the final plot of this movie. Please do not let it reflect." what I believe is the image and representation of Spawn. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's one of those things where there's, there are redeeming elements to the movie, but it's just, it, it was hamstrung by bad writing, um, too much CGI of the time. And hopefully, like I said, I think at this point, with how far we've come with all the superhero movies, I feel like Spawn's in a much better place. So hopefully the new one does come out and, you know, we finally get to see that version of Spawn that everybody that's the fan of the comic books has been looking for. Yeah, but, like, they keep on having little teasers, and, like, they committed, like, Jamie Foxx committed that there were things happening, like, three years ago, so. Yeah. For the people that have hopes, I don't think it will happen until, like, the 2030s. Yeah. Well, there's also the pandemic that happened while they're trying to make it, so that's the only problem. Well, yeah, that's definitely a fact. But right. I will say, in in it in Spawn's not defense, the pandemic is not the reason why it's not moving forward. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's see. This will be a bonus episode. I'm not sure if it's coming out this month. Or I'm going to hold on to it. Um, oh. But I can also say that we are going to be doing Constantine at some point in, in the future. Just because I, when you said Spawn, Constantine popped in my head. <laughs> So I think those two will be nice double feature. Um, other than that, I can say on Mondays we're doing Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. Um, I really, I just don't know. I don't want to go too much in detail because I don't know when I want to release this um, because I know you and I are going to record another thing later on this month that's going to come out the same month it's going to be recorded because it has to. What are you to. talking about recording? This is all live. I don't know right. what you're talking about. So this is This is current date. This is whatever month we're currently in. <laughs> so I think this is going to be a bank show that'll show up at some point. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll um, have another bonus episode that'll come out the month that this is actually being talked in live. Um, but yeah, so I hope everybody enjoyed that. I really enjoyed learning. Like, I just, I had no idea how many people were considered, especially for the role of Spawn. Like, this was a big deal. Oh, yes. Um, it's amazing that they took another chance so quickly on a blade with how like much this did not do well. So good for well, super I mean, movies. Yeah. Between that. Plus also it was like the world of Marvel, like it kind of yeah. in a Deadpool sense, like blade made the way for Marvel. Cause like yeah. for that, because blade was a very controversial of all the Marvel characters, like there's Deadpool. And then I think one step below was blade and what really helped was like the fascination with vampire stuff at the time 
Yeah. So all no, of the and... X-rated, well, X-rated, R-rated blood gore stuff kind of fit within the vampire world, so they kind of got away mm. with that. No, there's a serious argument to be made, especially with how like financially unsteady Marvel Comics was in the 90s, that if Blade hadn't done as well as it did, there might not be a Marvel around now to be making movies. So, and in um, hindsight, that's like crazy. Yeah, no, it, it's insane when you think about how much it makes now. But yeah, no, that's that was a legit concern. Without, uh, which is without why Wesley so, Snipes, there would be no Thanos. <laughs> yeah, which is also why Sony and Fox owns X Men and Spider Man oh, because of that. Yeah, era. that whole thing. Anyway, so thanks, Jared Bowman, for the theme song. Uh, thanks again for listening. Um, you can always write the show at chaospodshow at gmail if you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, you know, whatever. We're here to serve. And um, yeah, you want to throw out the Twitter handle there too? Oh yeah, it's also Chaos Pod Show on Twitter or my Twitter handle if you want to follow me specifically is at Last Gilchrist One. You can also follow me on the TikTok at Last Gilchrist. Oh, you have um, a TikTok. Oh man, developments have been made. Yeah. So far, it's literally just me making one TikTok over and over again, but I find it hilarious. You know the scene in uh, Family Guy where it's a takeoff of the Kingsman scene where Chris and Meg go crazy and beat up a whole cafeteria worth of people? That That's fun. But like my yeah. favorite idea would be Peter hurting his knee when he just goes, ah. Well, what I'm doing oh. is in that scene, whenever I come up with the uh, oh. music, that I like, I put over that. So my favorite, one of my favorites so far, going back to Spider-Man, is a Hero by Nickelback played over that oh, scene. God. That works out really well. Things that don't age well. <laughs> anyway, yeah, thanks to everybody for listening. We will see you whenever the next thing, Monday or Wednesday, is from whenever this is released. So have a good night, everybody. Stay crazy out there. <laughs>